Welcome to The Business Shift, the no BS podcast for online entrepreneurs who are focused on transforming into successful business owners. We dive deep into the nitty gritty of what it takes to build and grow a thriving digital empire. No fluff, no hype, just real talk and proven strategies from successful business owners who have been there, done that, and are sharing their knowledge to help you do the same. So do you think you have what it takes to make the transition from entrepreneur to business owner? Let's find out. All right. Welcome back, guys, to the Business Shift podcast. I'm so excited for this episode because we have our very first guest, Julie Lamb, on the podcast, and I cannot wait for you guys to meet her. But first, let me introduce her. So for almost 20 years, Julie Lamb has helped hundreds of clients overcome the mental and emotional roadblocks holding them back from their success. A licensed therapist and a successful coaching business owner, she has empowered Fortune 500 executives and million-dollar business owners to unlock new levels of success, work-life balance, and mental resilience through proven science-based coaching services. Utilizing tools from both disciplines of clinical therapy and business coaching in a result Focus framework. Her clients achieve progress at an accelerated pace in comprehensive one-on-one coaching. Her podcast, What the Hell Is My Brain Doing?, which you guys should all go and check out, by the way, uh, can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And in her free time, Julie enjoys traveling just like myself with her husband and her three daughters. So let's welcome Julie to the podcast. What's (laughs) up? How's it going? So it's so good. (laughs) Yeah, that bio, I... I'm so excited to have you here. I can't (laughs) wait to just ask you all the questions because I'm like, yes, I want to know. I want to know. So let's start off with the first one, um, which here at The Business Shift, we focus specifically on going from an entrepreneur where it's literally just me, myself, and I in the business to a business owner, which is creating a thriving, profitable business. So I would love to know uh, what has been your personal journey from entrepreneur to business owner? Okay. This is a real fun thing to talk about because I have learned so many really scary things along the way. So when I first started my business, I opened a brick and mortar therapy practice and it was just me, me, myself in the wall. I guess you could say. (laughs) So I truly embodied the solopreneur aspect. It was, what do I do? I was my marketing team, my CFO, CEO, all the things. And what's really interesting about that whole process is I went to school to be a therapist. I did not go to business school. And so I had to learn all of these business type things that we just think should come naturally. And so I learned very quickly. I was over my head. Like, let's be real here. So I had to hire, I hired a coach to say, this is the things that you need to put in place. This is what this looks like. It was great. And that's, that worked for many years as a solo like solo person. And yeah. honestly, as I have grown and had to say, I am I'm tired of working like 40 plus hours a week to get this business going. And I'm making these mile marks, but I just needed, I needed a, something a little different. Yeah. And as I have switched my business, I've had to hire, I've had to bring on different support teams. I've had to look at what that looks like because ultimately as a business person, an entrepreneur is somebody that wants to go out and we, we want to do good things. Like that's why we start this. We start our businesses because we have this idea. We can help people. We want to, but we also don't want to do it at our own expense and we don't Mm want to become overwhelmed and we don't want to start burning out. And we don't want to basically have after two years being like, I'm done. This was fun. Now let's go get 
a really boring corporate job. So, <laughs> exactly. But, so to do that, we have to be willing to say, okay, who do I need to hire along the way? What are my first hires? And I got some, I will be honest, I got some bad advice from somebody that was like, just go to Fiverr and go hire somebody or go to somewhere else. And I got to tell you, sure, you can go to Fiverr and you can hire somebody. There are some I've great heard people that there. So many times. But you know what? This is your business. And do you really want to be nickel and diming out those things to where you are hiring somebody to say, can you just take care of this one thing for me? And I did some of that. I hired here, there, whatever. I hired a VA based upon recommendations of a friend. I didn't vet her as well as I should have. And I have to say that some of those mistakes is what I'll call them are what kept me in that entrepreneurship longer than necessary. Oh, interesting. The biggest shift from entrepreneurship to business owner is stepping into the role of a CEO and recognizing as a CEO that I am not just the one running the show. I'm not just the one that has to do the marketing, the sales. I'm the one that has to be able to say, I have to hire someone to accomplish these things. But with this caveat, I'm not hiring them to solve a problem I couldn't figure out on my own. I am hiring them to do the things that I could do. But my time, my resources are more valuable at this point, And somebody else can do it to move the, pro- move the needle forward when it comes to moving your business forward. Oh man, what you just said is so beautiful because I see people that they hire things out and they don't know how to lead those people because they don't know how to do the thing. But then there's people who are like, no, I I, I know how to do it. So I'll just keep and do all the things. And I think, would you say that when you get to that point where you have worn all the hats and you know how to do the marketing, you know how to do uh, the selling, it's time to then look and go, okay, what do I not like doing the most and how can I give that to other people and teach them effectively? Would you say that that's the point when you want to start looking for your first hire? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that say hire before you're ready. And I, <laughs> I'm one of those that say, no, probably not. And the right. reason for that is because I hired before I was ready and I had a VA that let's just say that my business literally was burnt to the ground with her. Oh. And when you, like, I know all of us, when you are an entrepreneur, you love what you're doing and you suddenly become very attached to this business. And the idea of basically handing your baby over to somebody and then that person destroying it, like that destroyed my, like, I was like, I'm never hiring again. (laughs) I'm never, you know, but I still want my business to grow. So I think it's really, really important to say, you know what, you can hit your first six figures. You can even hit multiple six figures as a solopreneur. You can even get up to 300, 400 with maybe hiring one person. And I think that's really crucial for people to understand. You can still create these businesses. But if you want more time freedom, if you want to be able to like step back, if you want to be able to leave legacies, whatever it may be, then you have to know who I'm hiring, what role are they specifically for, and what is that role going to do moving my business forward? And would you say that's when you're ready? Because you said, don't, don't w- like wait to hire until you're ready. When would you say is that point when you know, okay, now I'm good to go. Now I can bring somebody on. Yeah. So I figured out the, the online marketing, you know, I figured that out and I said, you know what, this isn't actually my favorite. (laughs) And even though I know how to do it, that's when I went and hired, I hired my brand specialist. She's also my social media manager and I love her. I have a great relationship with her. I trust her. And she's the one that has created that for me. 
So I leave that in her hands, her very capable hands. The one thing I will never give to anybody is copywriting because the reason for that is it's my voice. I don't need somebody else to mimic my voice. It's my voice. So therefore I will put it out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are other things like bookkeeping, financing, Mm -hmm. definitely. That's not my wheelhouse. I have somebody else that does that. Um, when it comes to advertising my podcast, I have somebody else that does my editing and somebody else that puts it out there. It's still my voice is the copy. Somebody else does all the other back end stuff. So the back end stuff that like takes me more time than necessary, that's where I hire. That's when I say I'm ready to move this needle forward and they can do it better than I can. Mm, Yeah. So what would you say would be a good first hire to look at in terms of, okay, like I am ready to start outsourcing. Would you just pick something that you don't like doing and and look to hire that out? Or do you have like a role that you think should be hired out first? I think a role is really important. So one of the things I do with a lot of my clients is we sit down and we look at kind of a grid of the things that we like to do, the things that we're really good at, and also the things that we don't like to do, but we might be good at, and the things that we, um, you know, we look at this four corner kind of idea. So what I want to do realistically is I want to think about my business and what are all the roles, where are all the hats that I play. And when I look at all of those roles, then I want to say, which one am I good at, but actually takes a lot more of my time, actually is something that I don't really need to be doing at my level. And sometimes I would hire for that one first, because that is one that I know that I want to make sure is somebody I I trust, like all the things they can take that over. And at the same time, I can then look at some of these other areas. A lot of times we think let's hire for what I don't like first, but what you're doing is you're hiring a problem because you haven't learned how to solve that problem. So Mm. I'm going to take bookkeeping. This is a joke among my whole family is that numbers and I are not always friends. (laughs) I I love to mix them up so much. So because of that, I had to make sure that I understood my numbers before I could hire somebody. So even though I wasn't great at it, I had to know that I understood the profits, the margins, the ROIs, all of that. Once I did that, then I said, now I need somebody else to take over because this is, yeah. I understand it. I know it, but somebody else needs to be the one doing it. My CPA, yeah. my um, financial advisor, whatever it may be, they're the ones that take over that aspect. So mm. yes, you can do what you don't like first, but make sure that you understand what that role specifically is for and what that looks like. Yeah. So why is that so important that you understand the roles? Cause I know it can be so tempting. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. They're always like, no, I just, I just want to outsource it. Like, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to do the content. I don't want to have mm-hmm. to do the, the DMing, the prospecting, all that stuff. And it's, they're very tempted to just give it to somebody else. So mm-hmm. why would you recommend knowing it first before outsourcing it, even if you don't like it. So I'm going to go and tell a story about this VA I hired. So I was told, you know, Julie, you've got a lot on your plate. Find somebody that can do the email outsourcing, the um, graphics, the the logo, like those little things is what we're going to call it. But I didn't understand the technology part of it. I just wanted her to fix it for me. I just wanted her to get it all my funnels working. I wanted her to do it all. Unfortunately, what she did is, and I I want all entrepreneurs to hear this. She sent an email with all of my passwords to my list. Now, this is what shut my business down 
because I don't care how much you trust your people or anything to that effect. Suddenly people had access to my information and I had to shut everything down. And I did not know how to shut it down because I had given her so much access. I had to go in and literally strip everything like to the bottom. And it was, it was such a devastating time because I thought, here I am just trying to build my business. I trusted this person, but because I don't know how to go in and fix something, it left me very, very vulnerable. So I really encourage you. Yes. One vet your VAs. There's a lot of things that I teach people about hiring. But one of the things I did was I said, and that's the other thing I couldn't get in touch with her. I couldn't, it was like, she just did this and disappeared. And so And then when I finally did get in touch with her, she blamed me for it. And I was like, okay, well, I'll take responsibility where necessary, but this is not okay. Yeah. And so one of the things that I really had to do is say, okay, what do I need now moving forward? And so I said, I need to know how to run email systems. I need to know my funnels. I need to know what all of this looks like. And so that's when I said, I don't need these expensive programs. I don't need these um, these gurus that are out there saying spend, you know, thousands of dollars. Oh no, guys, you can run a very lean business. And I did, I had to look at and say, what's my lean business look like so that I can hire somebody to take care of some of those things. So anyway, that's my really, my big horror story. <laughs> when it comes yeah. To okay. Wow. That man, like I just like my stomach dropped when I heard that. Cause I can imagine how devastating that would be. And, and that like was, um, so how did you then get to that point where you could trust to hire again? And what was the new process that you walked through in order to actually vet your people properly and go, okay, like I'm going to make sure these people are good fits before I give them access to things. Yeah. So I actually set up a trial system. So what I did is I'm going to use my podcast as an example because I needed that edited. Yeah. I I probably, I'll be honest, I could probably figure it out. It just, I knew it would take me more time than necessary. So what I did is I had a bunch of videos that I had created for a course and I sent that to somebody to edit. And it was really interesting. I actually sent him some copies that this VA had hacked up terribly. And he came back and he said, I can't, I can't touch these because they are so bad. And he said, I wish I could make this better. He's like, I really can't. And the fact that he could acknowledge that it was already a problem and even told me, I can't even charge you for this because I can't do the work that you would need made me say, I can trust him because he will tell me there's a problem. Yeah. So then I sent him something else to edit. He edited. It It was great. I reviewed the work. I really enjoyed what it looked like. So then I sent the podcast. Now, the one other thing is I will admit that this was a friend that Mm -hmm. um, had been recommended. But remember, this VA had been recommended to me as well. So I did a little bit more I'm going to call it digging to be like, is this somebody that I can trust? Is this somebody that doesn't just spout like, I believe in all of this and I'm, you know, (laughs) I align with your company values when they don't even know what they are. (laughs) Absolutely. And so, but when I sent that podcast and it came back and he gave input about certain, like the intro, extra type of thing came back, I loved the product. So then it came down to how much did he charge me for this? And I actually felt, I feel like I'm getting a steal. I'll be real honest. Like, I feel like it's amazing. The product that he gives me, the level of work. And I said, you know, you're hired. And so he is so easy to work with. I will send him things. He will put them together. And I just found that that honestly was so healing for my first hire because it was somebody, again, I could trust. It was somebody that I knew knew my process. It was somebody else that 
really took value in the work that they were doing. Mm, so I that's one that. of the, yeah, that's one of the first things is do they take value in your work as well? Mm, yeah, I think that that's so important. And uh, I love how you sent him a, a couple of different things, not just one thing and like got it back. We're like, okay, perfect. You're hired, but you tested it out with a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. So have you found some creative ways to kind of eval uh, evaluate different people that you're looking at their skills and their abilities just beyond looking at, you know, the typical things that people submit, like a resume or conducting a tr traditional interview? Have you found like ways to test people's skills and abilities? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I actually do that maybe it's because of my therapy background, but I'm really good at reading people. And so I can spot a BSer a mile away. <laughs> so mm, yes. Tell somebody, me how you do that. <laughs> yeah, I had somebody apply for a position and I could just tell that their skill set and their like their resume, I guess you could say, didn't match. And the reason I knew that was because I asked something very specifically on that resume. Mm. And they weren't able to go into any detail. They weren't able to actually talk about it. They weren't actually able to give me what I thought I needed. So yeah. I said, okay, they're not actually the person for me because of that. Mm -hmm. So that's also, that's very critical. The other thing is, is that I do ask for references yeah. and I, I don't want your best friend. I don't want your family member. I actually want to know who these people are. And yeah. so who, who did they get employed by? And so again, this going back to this VA, she was referred to me by somebody else, but I have learned since them to send a work to say, this is what I would expect. How would you handle that and mm -hmm. get input from them so that when I hired my next hire, I said, this is what I'm looking for. Is this something that you can do? And she was like, absolutely, I can do that. And I said, great. What does the timeline look like? What happens if I do this? And I gave her like real scenarios. Like if I'm late, if I'm behind, if I do this. And basically their response tells me how they will deal with me, basically. Like how they will work right. with me. And I got an interview with someone and she did not listen to me the whole time. Like I said, these are the things that I need. And she was just going off and she starts saying, well, let's do this and let's do that and let's do that. Okay. I don't care about your <laughs> ideas. I want to know if you can implement my vision. And when right. I knew she couldn't, I said, I'm done. Like yeah. I will go find someone else because you're not listening. So those are, mm -hmm. I guess, a couple of things is one, how do they respond to any sort of thing I send their way? And then two, do they actually listen to what I'm asking of them? Oh, yeah. I think that that's such a great way to do that because it takes it just beyond what you're seeing on paper with a resume, right? Mm -hmm. And you're actually getting real experience with these people. So those are some great suggestions. So do you have um, any kind of effective strategies for attracting and retaining like high quality team members, especially when they're a little a bit of a bigger role in your business besides somebody who's like just doing like podcast editing or things like that. Like if you're bringing on like a manager or an executive or anything like that, where they're going to be directly working with clients or they're doing client facing stuff. How do you kind of attract those people and find people who align with your business and your company values? So a lot of that does depend on what that specific role will be. So yeah. if I bring on, for instance, another clinician or another or somebody else to work with a client, I need to see what they're like 
with that client. Mm -hmm. I need to see how they like would deal in a coaching situation. I want to understand their process. So a lot of times as we build these big businesses, we think I'll just bring in all these people, but what are their ethics? What are they like truly, what's truly important to them? How intuitive are they? Like, I think that's also very critical. Something else that I do a lot is I really do like the best personality tests out there. And I've done many of them. I actually really love human design. I don't know if anybody's familiar with human design. I haven't heard about that one before. Uh, The thing, the reason I love human design is because, you know, this is, I guess the little bit of woo in me (laughs) is the fact that it really is based upon like our, our own personal energy. And so I have found that my human design, I need certain people in these roles. So Um, For those that are familiar with human design, there's five general areas, general categories, and I'm more of a projector. So I'm an Mm -hmm. overseer. I'm really good at strategy. Yeah. And so I need somebody sometimes that's not afraid to go out and do things. So I might need somebody that will speak their mind. Yeah. I might need somebody that is like really gets excited about things, but I also need somebody that knows when to listen. And so Mm -hmm. that's sometimes a really good mix. And so I have done that when I've hired Mm-hmm. I've asked for their human design charts and I know how to read those so that I know cool. what I'm looking for. Um, but the other thing that comes to hiring that is really, I think, the most important thing yeah. is you have to remember that this isn't just a friend, right? Mm-hmm. You're hiring somebody that you want them to see your vision. You want them to love what you're doing, but you're also still the boss. Yeah. And you have to be willing to have difficult conversations with people. And a lot of times difficult conversations are difficult for a reason. Because we hire because we're like, oh, my gosh, they're so great. We can talk to them. They're so good. But I have to admit, my um, one of the people I hired is so good to be like, Julie, I need this now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, ma'am. It, it is to you yeah. now. And I think when you're looking at hiring like an, um, an online business manager or you're looking at hiring anything like that, do they even hold you accountable to the things that they need to get their job done? Because when they do, you know, you have somebody that's invested in the business just as much as you are. Yeah. Because they're willing to give you that input instead of just be your friend. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That That's amazing. That's so powerful. So um, I definitely want to transition into talking a little bit more about burnout and overwhelm, but do you have anything else that you, that you think is important when it comes to looking to hire people, any kind of do's or don'ts that you would recommend as people are starting to make that shift to going from entrepreneur to business owner? Yeah, I think we've covered a lot. So my number one tip is always figure out what you specifically need in your business. Yeah. So do you need a seller? Do you need a marketing agency? Like, do you need a manager? Like, what do you specifically need and why? Why do you need that role? Because if you are hiring somebody to solve problems or questions or things like that, that's your role as the CEO. So be very clear. What am I hiring for? What's their role? And then what problem are they solving? Can I solve that problem my own? One of the other things to look at is be willing to be wrong in hiring. And what I mean by that is sometimes we say, this is who I want. Don't just hire, be willing to say, actually, no, I realize after talking to some people, this isn't who I need. I need to actually go a different direction. So be willing to be wrong with that, to learn, to grow in those kind of aspects. Mm. Yeah. I love all of that. That makes so much sense. And I think it will make that transition from having nobody right to the Mm -hmm. business being your baby, to be able to kind of take a step back and go, all right, let's have other people come in and help as well. So yeah. 
I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So um, I know kind of another area of your expertise is specific with burnout, right? And overwhelm. Yeah. And so I would love to talk about that a little bit. And so how do you scale without burnout and overwhelm? Like, could you walk me through the process to accomplish this? Because I know it can be very, very overwhelming for people who are trying to make that transition. And I'm kind of right in that transition myself. And mm -hmm. I would agree it's, it's pretty overwhelming because yeah. <laughs> you're becoming a leader and you're taking, you now are responsible for people's paychecks, you're responsible mm -hmm. for the business. Anything that goes wrong is your fault. Even if you were not the one that directly did it, it's your fault because you yep. have the business. So yeah. how do you kind of deal with that? So one of the first things that I always like to look at when it comes to burnout is burnout actually has several steps or warning signs ahead of time. And it really does come to the stress and the overwhelm. Now, I am not one of those people that will say, let's, we can get all of the work done in three days and it's totally great and perfect. <sighs> but I'm also not one of those that says, oh, you have to work 80 hours a week just to make your business thrive. I yeah. think there is a healthy balance. Um, I started my business with two little kids. So I know what it takes to build a business with children. And it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to speak to the women out there too. Cause I know, you know, I have a lot of men that I work with that are entrepreneurs. My husband's an entrepreneur, but women take an extra burden on with it. We have a lot more of a mental load that comes with us as well. And so as we're building a business, I think it's really crucial. And I think this goes for both men and women, but it's very, very crucial that we look at that mental load. Like mm -hmm. besides just the business, what else is expected of us? Is it housekeeping? Is it the kids? Is it food? Like, like those mental things that get in the way and I say they get in the way because they just take up so much space in our brain of things that we have to work on, things we have to think about. And yeah. I have to laugh, but actually the first member of my team that I hired was my housekeeper. Actually, no, mm. let me go back. It was actually my nanny. Like mm. I even have to think like I sometimes forget that those were part of my teams, but right. hiring nanny, hiring a housekeeper, like those were things that allowed me to move my business forward because they took off some of that mental load. So that's the number one thing is look at your mental load in all aspects of your life. Yeah. The next thing you want to do when after looking at all those mental loads is you then want to say, why is this so important to me? Why is this business important? Like we, we joke about having this big why I want this big house or this car or whatever. <laughs> but my big why is honestly my three little girls. Mm -hmm. I want them to see powerful women in business. Yeah. I want them to feel like they can do whatever they want. Right. If that's my why, then I have to say every day, is that meeting that? Am I truly like doing those things? Right. Once you have the mental load kind of figured out, you know why you're doing things that gets you moving in that, in that right way. Not to say that like after you know, a year or so, you're going to be like, I'm done. Like I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Ups and downs. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what roller, that's what entrepreneurship is. It's a pure roller coaster. So that's where you have to say, okay, who's my support system? Who's there to help me? And I think there's so many people out there that will try to tell you, listen to me. I know what I'm talking about, et cetera, et cetera. But you know yeah. what? Your own inner voice is who you really need to listen to, trusting your instincts, trusting your intuition. But in, uh, above that, who is that support system? Are you around other entrepreneurs that are like maybe out earning you or maybe they earn like you're in that same category that are supporting you, encouraging you, moving you forward? 
Right. What about a spouse or what about a partner or what about friends? Like what do that, what does that look like? I've had to say goodbye to relationships that weren't motive, like moving me forward. And that's really hard in entrepreneurship is to, it feels very lonely at times. So we want to be able to say, where's my support team? Where's, where are those that will help me to build forward? Those are really, really crucial to aid with the burnout. Mm, I love all of that. And something that you said in terms of like making this a priority. And I, I love that you're a mom because I talk to a lot of people who are starting a business and they have kids and they're like, oh, there's just too many things to prioritize. Like my business is just on the back burner, but then it always seems to be on the back burner because yeah. there's always a new thing. And so how do you, how do you still prioritize that like being a mom and having different things, right. And wanting to do different things, but also make your business happen because I see just, it's unfortunate. I see so many people that want it, but they only kind of want it. They want it to the point where it's convenient for them. So how did you work past that point? So I had to be really, really clear with my boundaries about what work time is and what personal time is. And the quickest way to burn out is to make those boundaries blurry So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that will be like, well, when the kids are in bed, even though I'm exhausted, I'm doing all this extra work, you're going to burn out. So what I really did is when I first started my business, I said, my children are little, they're at home. So I hired a nanny for specific hours that those were dedicated work hours. I didn't go and check in on the kids. I didn't go do housework. I didn't go do make meals, nothing. It was dedicated to my work. Yeah. Then at five o'clock or whatever time you want to say, but basically when I said five o'clock is here, that means work is done. That means that I am 100% present with my children. It's 100% present with my spouse. I'm present with whatever category I want to be. I also made sure that I was taking care of myself. And this last year has been a real, um, real roller coaster for me meant like physically. And I had to take a step back and say, okay, how am I taking care of my physical health? How am I doing things that improve me there? Because you guys, you're no good if you're running a business and you are physically ill all the time, or you are tired, you're exhausted, or you are also feeling like you're missing out on your kid's soccer or your whatever it may be. Like that's when the business suddenly feels like I don't want it anymore. Like make it go away, (laughs) which is Mm -hmm. not at all what any of us want. So making sure that we take care of ourselves physically, making sure that we take care of ourselves mentally, make sure that we take care of all of those aspects so that we can then be really, really good during the business hours, whether that's Mm -hmm. just 10 to two, whether it is whatever you have, being totally focused in that moment is really what's going to help move that business forward. Oh, I love that. And I think that that's so key, especially when there's so many things trying to pull your attention. So How, since I know, I know you have some expertise when it comes to brain function and things like that. So I would love to know, like, how can you optimize your brain functionality when looking Mm -hmm. to make the transition from entrepreneur to business owner? Um, And that's something that I've been exploring is how do you expand your capacity to work longer and work more effectively and focused? Because I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, like, I need to get better at being focused. Like I need to get better at doing more things in the time that I've allotted to business. How do you, how do you work on that from like a brain functionality perspective? 
So I'm actually going to twist some of your words a little bit, because when you start saying, I need to be better, I need to hack my brain, I need to whatever, yeah. what ends up happening is that you already feel like you're behind. You already feel right. like you've messed up. You already feel like you're not going to move there. And yes, this is mindset stuff. But at the same time, I just encourage everybody every day. I want you to say, what is this person going to look like today? So for the longest time, it's always been like, what is 100K Julie doing today? When I And then after I met that 100K, then what is 300K Julie doing? And then what is this business? Like create that mindset of who you are on a daily basis. Because when you do, then what happens is I sit down and I say, okay, what is 300K Julie doing today as an example? Yeah. And I will have a... I will have a laundry list. I mean, come on, we all do. We have this laundry <laughs> list of things to do. And then what I do is I say, okay, what are the most important things for her to accomplish today? Yeah. And I do that. And I said, then how do I want to feel at the end of the day? Yeah. And when I can basically hack my brain that way to say, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what this is going to look like. It's amazing all the things that I get done. So mm-hmm. productivity really truly is first knowing all the things that have to get done And then what are the most important? And at the end of the day, how do I just want to feel? Do I want to feel behind? Do I want to feel ahead of the game? Do I want to feel like I was productive? Like, how do I want to feel and carry that energy all throughout the day? Oh, man, that's so great. So how do you get clarity on that person? So if you're looking at it and you've never you've never done 100K before, right? Mm -hmm. How do you get clarity on what that person does? Because sometimes I sit there and I go, well, I've never done this before. So how would I know what that person does? would do if I've never done it before. How do yeah. you how do you get clarity on that? So there's there's actually several exercises I take my my own personal clients through. One of the first ones that this is actually my favorite exercise that anybody can do yeah. is realistically I want you to go to that person like imagine your future self. It's you and she's made 100k. Yeah. And I want you to go to her. I just want you to sit with her feeling like she's made this hundred K. She feels really great. Like, how does she do it? Mm-hmm. So when you sit with that for a minute, then you come back and you say, okay, what does a hundred K actually look like in my business? So when I first started and I was doing, you know, therapy sessions and they were 125 in a, a session and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm never going to make a hundred K. Like I have to see so many people and it felt so overwhelming. I was like, I'm never going to make this happen. Right. So then I had to say, okay, what are all the many different ways that I can make 100K? Coming from that energy of that for future you who's done it. So I come back and I say, okay, all the different ways that I can do this. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was I can sell this many coaching packages, group packages. I can do all of these things. I'm getting into the consulting world that I've done, working with corporates, different things. All of that mm-hmm. are ways to make 100K. Yeah. And I think, okay, great. I've brainstormed all of that. What sounds exciting to me? Hmm. What are the things that I really, truly want to do right in that moment? And I know I'm speaking from like more of that coaching consulting world, but if you're a service provider, if you're one that does VIP days for people or done for you services, or you do website design, or you do copywriting or marketing or sales, same thing applies. What are the things that are exciting to you? And then what would that look like to make the hundred K? Is it, I sell 10, you know, See so again, my math is great. 10, 10 <laughs> packages, you know, is yeah. that what I'm going to do? Or is it, I want to actually work with more people. So I'm going to sell, you know, um, so many $3,000 packages. Like, what does that look like? It doesn't yeah. have to look like what everybody else says it has to look like too. Right. It's really what lights you up, what your energy is 
And then you just do it. You just say, I'm going to do this. This is what that looks like. Mm. Man, that's awesome. Thank you for that breakdown. That's very clear. And I think that kind of tapping into that energy um, can be a really powerful motivator. Has it, has it been a powerful motivator for you in order to stay consistent with the laundry list of things that, you know, we all have? Absolutely. There's such a hustle culture that comes with entrepreneurship where I have to hustle and I have to hurry and I have to like, and that's all that graspy, needy energy that leads to burnout. So instead being able to sit back and say, you know what, I want this to be fun. Like, honestly, this roller coaster ride has its ups and downs. It's going to be fun. So I want to make 100K and I want to do it in a way that feels like it aligns with me. I want to do it in a way that is exciting for my clients. And I want to do it in a way that is like, honestly, not going to burn me out. Yeah. Oh, man. Awesome. Okay. So I've got one last question for you. And it's kind of going back to what you mentioned at the beginning, where you talked about how in order to make that transition from being an entrepreneur to a business owner, you really have to step into being a CEO. So I would love to know, what does being a CEO mean to you? And why is entrepreneurship more than just a solo adventure? Yeah. So I love the CEO question. I actually had somebody that challenged us all to say, what is my, what, when I think of a CEO, what does that look like? And I'll be honest, my first thought was somebody that never has time for family. Like you think about these like old white guys that are golfing all the time, (laughs) whatever it may look like. And I realized it's like, you know, I don't like that vision of a CEO. And so I noticed that what happened is I didn't want to move my business that way because I didn't like what a CEO looked like. So then I had to redefine what a CEO is for me. So a CEO is someone that takes charge. It is somebody that has a vision and is willing to move forward with that vision. It is someone that has people that support them. And it is somebody that also knows where they're headed. Right. So I think about that CEO and then I think, okay, I have a vision. I want to help people without burning out of their businesses. I want them to reach those six, seven figures without burning out. So I said, that's what I want to do. Perfect. Great. Sounds fantastic. Who's going to support me along the way? And I said, you know what I need? And I went through and I said, these are the people that need to support me. And those are CEO decisions. CEO decisions are being able to say to move my business forward. This is what I need. And I encourage everybody when you are building your business, it is okay to say, you know what, for right now, this solopreneur can do it this way. And a CEO can still be the solopreneur. But when I start making decisions, I'm doing it from the place of this is how it looks like to grow. CEOs are all about growth. How do I grow? Who's my first hire? How do I fire people? How do I move forward in this Mm. direction? How do I know that this is the right fit? And for many of you, as you're building your business, I want you to think about your clients. How did your clients find you? How did you find your, you know, how did you find them? What did you offer? How did you move forward with them? And as you do that, then you start to think that's the type of person I want to always be. That's the CEO I am. And as my business grows, then I naturally will attract the same thing as I did with my clients. I'll naturally attract those that are aligned with me. I'll naturally attract those that want to see me grow. And then they will just build and uplift me as a CEO. Oh man, that's such a powerful definition. And I think it, it will affect how you show up in your business, uh, 
for all time. Right. And mm -hmm. it affects how you are. So I appreciate you sharing that. I just appreciate you today for being on the podcast. Um, where can people find you and connect with you if they're struggling with burnout and they're looking to get some guidance on that? Where can they go to find you? You can find me on Instagram. Um, or Facebook, or even LinkedIn at Julie Lamb Coaching. I'm on all three. And you can, my website is Julie Lamb Coaching. But the best place to get a lot of this advice too is at my podcast, What the Hell is My Brain Doing? Um, I have links there to download freebies for hacking your brain, for imposter syndrome, all the fun things. And then you can get my email list where I also give some great things every week. So Awesome. Amazing. Anything else that you want to add before we finish up for today? You know, entrepreneurship is such a roller coaster. And I we've said that before. There's an analogy I'd love to share where oftentimes we feel like we're all alone in this. And we, if you've ever seen crabs, like as they, you know, crabbing season or whatever, heard this analogy, the idea is that sometimes we can be in a box and we can do our thing and somebody's going to come along and they're going to pull you down because they don't want you to succeed. They don't want you to move forward at any pace or anything to that effect. And what I want to challenge everybody is it's okay to get out of the box yeah. and it's okay to not listen to those that are trying to pull you down. And it's okay to be able to do it your own way. You don't have to do it the way the gurus tell you. You don't have to do it the way that anybody is. You can create a wildly successful business with your own energy, with your own abilities and you can do it. And is we, we believe in you. <laughs> like I just want to say, if we can do it, you can do it. There's abundance all around. And so totally being your own business owner is amazing. It's hard work, but it is amazing too. Awesome. Again, thank you so, so much for your time. Um, and that is the end of this podcast. All right, guys. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Business Shift Podcast, where we chat about no-nonsense insights and strategies to help you transform your online business into a successful empire. The question is, now what? It's time for action, baby. So if you found value in this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast for more actionable tips and inspiring interviews with successful business owners. Also, if you know of others who would benefit from the information today, I would truly appreciate the share. Until next time, keep shifting your business towards success.